Hi, I'm Dave Dufour. I'm John Schaup. And I'm Marsha Fulmer. And we are Theater Geeks. Welcome to Theater Geeks, the podcast about community theater and the performing arts. It is, uh, I don't know, it's, what is it? It's mid-July in Bristol, uh, Indiana, and we're freezing to death. Why? Oh, yeah, it's cold. Uh, it's been cold. I think it's going to be warm today. It's anyway, to be 82 um, today. It's beautiful. There we go. Yeah, and raining and thunder and lightning yeah, and everything rain. else. Anyway, we are uh, here with uh, uh, Marsha, John, and I are here, and we also have Deirdre Lovejoy, also known as Dee Dee Lovejoy, here with us today. Welcome to Theater Geeks. Dear. Thank you very much. And I'm glad um, to be an honorary theater geek. There we go. We got a couple of things to talk about. One of the things is I just want to kind of like know what you're up to lately. You, I, I wanted to talk about your play, which is entitled Elephant Bird, Bird Elephant Bird China. Elephant China. That is correct. And you have been actually. This is a sort of a autobiographical, semi autobiographical. It it's um, it's a, a solo piece, and um, it's been in development for the past year and a half, mm-hmm. and continues to uh, march forward. Uh, it's about a, a time in my life in 2009 when I uh, experienced uh, adult onset seizure disorder, and um, the interesting encounter that I had while I was in the sort of nether space of uh, seizures uh, where I had encounters with uh, interesting spiritual beings Mm -hmm. and um, sort of my climb back out of that. By the end of 2009, I was uh, for a period of time unable to walk or talk. And so it's a story of of how I got there, what happened when I was there and and, uh, what I learned from that whole process. Okay. And and so you do this is a solo piece and you've been like, now it's, it's hard to talk, call it workshopping it when you're doing it by yourself, right? Well, not Do you have a director that works I, with you on this? I do have a director. I have a collaborator that started out as a dramaturg um, on the piece. And mm-hmm. as we were, de- were developing it, um, it also, that also encompassed how the piece was going to present in terms of um, the timeline reflected in the set. So, uh, you know, at, at present in terms of how where we are in the process, uh, which has been staged, which has been staged readings. We did one at uh, the Chautauqua Theater Institute, um, which was extremely well received. Right. And I, I, I wasn't sure I was going to proceed with the piece until after that reading, because um, I just started it because I wanted to get the story out. Right. Um, afterwards, we then did a, a subsequent reading at the Lark Theater, which was um, very informative. And this particular a piece has a number of of uh, themes that could be focused on. So during each reading, we sort of are pulling the the threads of what is most um, germane to the story and trying to focus on that. So the next reading after uh, after my upcoming knee surgery uh, will be more. The themes thematically will be slightly different from the previous two readings, and um, we'll go forward from there. Cool. So, and this Where is something. Did you get the title. The title. Uh, thank you for asking, Mom. You you, you <laughs> well, know I that, right? Know. Oh, really? Um, That's why well, I'm asking. Okay. <laughs> uh, Bird Elephant China uh, is the name of the piece, and it comes from uh, one of my 
first uh, experiences of waking up in an emergency room in Los Angeles, not knowing where I was. And the doctor uh, I came to and the doctor was uh, a, a doctor was staring at me. I had no idea where I was. And he said, uh, OK, Dee uh, Dee, uh, I want you to name as many uh, animals as you can in one minute go. And for the sake of the fact that we're on radio and dead space is, you know, verboten, I will say that it took a long time and I had a lot of pausing in between. And I said, bird and 30 seconds went by. And then I said, elephant. Mm-hmm. And then I couldn't think of anything else and started to freak out a little bit. And he said, that's okay. Calm down. We'll think of a, a, a better question. He said, I want you to name as many countries as you can in one minute starting now go and all i could come up with was china so the name of the piece bird elephant china stems from that first initial cognitive test right. that that the emergency and you were in the hospital wow. because you had a car accident as a result of the seizures or no. was it kind of the other no, way no i it was it's a long story you'll have to come and see the play <laughs> because i could never explain the whole story okay. to you mm-hmm. um but uh, you know i i had um I had seven emergency room visits all total. Okay. And, um, and, uh, I'm happy to report I've been seizure free since December of 2009. So it all worked out. Well, that's, that's good news, but it's, it's neat that to me and you take that. So it was sort of therapeutic, but it's grown into something beyond that. That's right. And my experience of, of telling that story in, in the initial reading at Chautauqua was, uh, that it has a, extreme universal appeal in terms of the spiritual aspect of the story in terms of the actual events of the story uh, the the visitations the experiences that I had there was uh, an incredible amount of of community of people that said oh my gosh that happened to me too uh-huh. there were also many people that I was shocked to find out that actually came up and said I had seizures too or my my son had seizures too mm, yeah. and no one could ever explain how they came or why, why they went away right. um, when it wasn't diagnosed specifically as epilepsy and um, sure. there weren't any brain tumors or brain lesions yeah. involved. Well, good luck with it. Thank you. Yeah, it's exciting. Thank you. One yeah. of the things that gives me seizures, and uh, this is a transition now, <laughs> oh, is people smooth. who use their cell phones <laughs> during performances at plays. And uh, apparently this gives Patty Lapone seizures too, because we just heard about this in the news that uh, Patty, this is our other subject for today, by the way. Yeah. And, sh- and we. Misuse of cell phones. Misuse of cell phones. Miss, Miss Lapone decided to. We skipped to right over Ang Lee, take, didn't we? I guess so. Right over, we skipped wow. over Ang Lee. Still, well, I think we should come back to Ang Lee. We'll, we'll, get, we'll come back to that. We'll come back to that. I just, I just, I just, it just like the whole seizures <laughs> joke just jumped out at me and I couldn't resist. You oh, see. You okay. Anyway. Um. But Miss Lapone decided to take matters into her own hands at uh, a performance of what was that? What's the name of the play? Show, shows for days. Shows for days, which I understand is very funny. Yeah, and she uh, managed to work it Here. into the character and walked off stage with uh, a rude patron's cell phone. Apparently, the patron had been texting. When you're on stage, and and you, and someone is texting, it's not a private affair because even when one has the screen on full dark, it's a completely black theater, and you can it lights up like. You can still see it. And yeah. Whether yeah. you're an audience member, I know as an audience member, it, it infuriates me because it draws your eye right to that screen yeah. and you, you wind up missing 
uh, you know, invariably a crucial moment in the play or you're on stage as an actor and lights are in the house. And it's it's incredibly frustrating because people they make an announcement at the beginning. People turn it off and they go out at intermission. They turn it back on. They forget to turn it off. Doesn't matter what. But there's always people texting in a house and Patty apparently got fed up, didn't she? Well, the yes. thing is she, well, it's, it's, where she's it's her quote, maybe not doing it anymore. Is That's her quote, is her says. quote, in, is that her, that, that quote in I there? Brought this to you. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's just, she was kind of eloquent about why it was bothering her so much. Okay. And I never, Go I never it. heard a soul. Do you want me to read this? Yes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She this said, is from Patty Lapone. A statement regarding the incident she said, we work hard on stage to create a world that is being totally destroyed by a few rude, self-absorbed and inconsiderate audience members who are controlled by their phones. Yeah. They cannot put them down. When a phone goes off or when an LED screen can be seen in the dark, it ruins the experience for everyone else. The majority of the audience at that performance and the actors on stage. I am so defeated by this issue that I seriously question whether I want to work on stage anymore. Now I'm putting battle gear on over my costume to marshal the audience as well as perform. Well, I think that... I, I can't imagine Patty Lapone just giving it up either. But you're you're uh... no, I can't. But I think it speaks to the level of her frustration. Sure, yeah, yeah. I mean, when I was doing Lucky Guy on Broadway, because Tom Hanks was in the play, it, it was a, a daily occurrence that we would be performing and people would be trying to take pictures and video, even though it was expressly mm-hmm. um, stated that it was no illegal. photos were allowed. We, When your iPhone or whatever kind of phone you have is when you're taking a photograph, even if your flash isn't on, a little yellow light lights up. And so you, you all over the house, you could see people, people would be videoing. We would go backstage. We would say to the stage manager second row on the end is taking a video and they would call out to the house and the ushers would go down and literally in the middle of the play they are confiscating a cell phone or they're saying please put it down the person puts it down the usher walks back up you go on for the next scene and there's the person doing it again Mm -hmm. so taking the phone away is not doesn't sound like anything uh, over the top in my eyes because you know, it, 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 it's, I don't know. You're not, audiences are not sitting at home in front of the television set. You know, actors can see, right. we, we have eyes. We can see that you're sitting in the first row. It's not, you know, yeah. the fourth wall is invisible and people just have no regard for the fact that this is a live performance. And the experience is that of everyone in community watching what's going on on the stage. And so, any any distraction is is it's just it ruins the experience right yeah and i think i i don't know where it's going to go i mean the problem is is that i know that i myself tend to get a little too attached to the phone and you know, you have to like force yourself, but I don't under, I mean, it doesn't seem like this is going to go away as a problem. Well, then how do we, I guess, how do we train people? You you walk a fine line. You don't want the only people walking into your theater to be 
theater goers who are constantly the same people over and over and over again. You want new people walking through your door. You want young people walking through your doors. Sure. Well, social media so, is is an, a, a crucial part of marketing. That's exactly. That's true. And then you but, want like tweeting at intermission and a, stuff like that. So how do we train people to do this? Well, there's an, a certain amount of consciousness that has to happen. There's a certain amount of awareness. I mean, audiences have to know that there's a that they they're welcome to text at, at intermission. They're welcome to tweet. They're not welcome to crawl up on the stage and try to plug their phone, which into just happened. Outlet yeah. that is part of a <laughs> hand <set>. to God. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's there. It, did you the, see that Marcia where that yeah, happened? Yeah. I did. The, the sort of, um, awareness that, that, goes away when people are so completely absorbed in their phone. I don't, I don't know the, the guy that climbed up on stage has drunk. to be just an, imbecile. no, he was drunk. He was drunk. Just he just issued an apologize. He issued an apology well, through it was the, one of those where he was sitting uh, right in the front row and the stage was almost on a level. So he just flung himself onto the stage and tried to hit one of the, but outlets. the show hadn't started yet. Right. But it well, doesn't so, matter. No, but I'm saw. just, no, no, no. I'm I mean, just saying that at least he didn't do it during a performance. <laughs> well, hopefully oh, he wouldn't have done that during oh, a performance, <laughs> but, but, Oh, well, the show hadn't started yet. No, keep hell? going. I'm just going to plug. No, quick, keep going. Well, I, I, I'm glad he did issue an apology. I'm glad, I'm glad it went through the, at least through the theater company that was producing the show too. I mean, he went to them. He said, please let me issue an apology. I was completely stupid when I did this and I was drunk. At least he, well, of course he was 19 and drunk, which doesn't Don't go to help. the theater drunk. Um, but no, I don't, I'm not, please no, believe I mean, me, I'm not saying it was okay uh, for him to do it. The so. issue of awareness not only extends to texting and videoing, which are, you know, sort of the blatant disrespectful, you know, gestures, but, you know, now they serve uh, drinks and, and people carry their drinks back that have ice. You, you know, you'll be in, invariably in any show in the second act and you'll hear a cup fall and roll or ice clinking in a glass or candy wrappers. They're, you know, people sitting in the front row eating M&Ms and thinking that no one can hear the bag rumbling. It's stuff like that. And and there just has to be a, a, a some sort of process for educating an audience that they're not well, invisible and they're not, you know, they're not in a bubble. Right. I think the whole, uh, as everyone knows, I am really a fanatic about old movies. And when I see old movies and they show a theater audience, everybody is dressed beautifully. Now you look at a theater audience and they have on blue jeans or Bermuda shorts and flip flops and t-shirts. And that's where all this crap started. When people did not respect the theater as a place to go for a wonderful shared experience. But I need you to retract that blue jean comment because uh, denim is the fabric of our lives. (laughs) I hope you're getting paid for that. I will say this Um, though. I mean, I, I mean, I think, it all started with that, John. It, it might have, but I'm I'm glad to have people come through my door. As long as they're not like hanging out of everything, then I mean, I don't even know what you do then if they're hanging out of stuff. But I mean, I don't. Would you say well, something, Dee Dee, if they were hanging just, out of something? Uh, well, sure. <laughs> I mean, let, you know, it, it, it depends on what's hanging out. Depends on what's hanging out. But there's gotta be a way of, of like you said, though, of of letting it stop there. I mean, I, I wear shorts to the theater now. I wear, I'll wear jeans to the theater. I couldn't believe that. Well, but I, I want to go to the theater and. I want to be comfortable and oh Lord. And I'm, I don't know, but I, I, if I were to wear them to the theater in Chicago, 
I have worn jeans to the theater in Chicago, but no, I usually wear a shorts. jacket. Um, no, no, probably not. Okay. Okay. I'm just saying. So it depends on the town. Well, but I've worn, I would wear jeans to the you, theater. I think it know. depends on the air conditioning system. Yeah, that's probably true too. Yeah. The but you go, you go to I've wagon wheel. Shorts. I wear only- shorts to wagon wheel. But. Yeah, well, I would but, work. But wagon wheel used to be in a tent. I mean, that was wagon wheel used to be, but now it's not in a tent, and it's you know. But it's kind of casual summer theater. I mean, that's kind of the that's, that's kind of the very atmosphere. true. I think there's casual a casual because it's summer theater. They were the same things to the Christmas pageant thing down there, whatever the Christmas okay. show is. Well, and it's all right. Some, well, well, I'm just saying it's a whole mental thing about how you. I think respect. that I, it's all about respect. respect. It's all about respect. And the I think theater. that one of the problems with the thing at the, at, at, well, I think people re- equate going to the theater as the same thing as going to like a rock concert where or, you, not, where pe- or a movie or a movie. Well, but the picture taking stuff, I mean, you don't take pictures at the movie, do you? Some people film, the but movie. they text at the movie. People, yeah, they do. somebody they do. Get, uh-huh. was texting at a movie and got killed. They, somebody pulled a gun out and shot them. Do you remember that last year? That texting was can be fatal. I didn't know that. Yeah. No. Well, th- now what they've done locally here, I, of course I don't go to the movies very much, but th- uh, there for a while it was, it was bad with people flipping over f- open phones during the movie. And it's even more noticeable because it's just generally darker in a movie house. Um, but um, they started posting messages that you're going to leave immediately if you pull your phone out during the show. And I haven't seen it there. I mean, they managed to train people. Don't do it during the show, period. Um, and, you know, I was, you know, I was, uh, I've been in there when people answered a phone call loudly in the theater. I've been sitting on stage there. When, when you hear a phone ring a couple times and, and, uh, and a guy answered his phone and was like, yeah. hi, no, I'm at the theater. What's up? No, it's a play. No, not that one. The other one. I mean, literally oh, no awareness of well, their effect on anyone around them. Do you I mean, think that, um, and this, I think it's like television that with, teaches people well, that. Do you think with like Broadway or even regional, larger regional productions that maybe because the ticket prices are, are so high that people think that they, they can, you know, I paid a hundred dollars to see this show. So if I want to pull my phone out, you know, I don't know. I don't yeah. know if there's any logical explanation, except that we're so attached. It's so mm-hmm. a part of what we do and people are addicted to, you know, I'm just as much addicted. My phone is three feet away from me right now, you know, but there is a time and a place and there's an etiquette that has been sort of eroding over the past that apparently started with shorts and well, flip-flops. No, but and now I, well, is, that was. But it could be. No, but it's no, a good I mean, example. It be, it's, it's a good example. example. You don't respect the kind of of a performance venue that you're going into, and you don't realize that your behavior and actions actually impact others mm-hmm. because you're so self-involved, or you don't exactly. care. Well, or maybe you don't care. He said, checking his checking phone. phone. Yes. <laughs> I know. Oh, oh my Lord. Did you just do so that? Something just popped up and oh, I was on email. <laughs> but I we was listening. By I Dave. am appalled. It's a Dave David. diss for the He did. Oh, my God. No, I'm, I'm upset. Excuse me. Was anyone performing here that I was interrupting? Yes, we all are. Okay. Don't well, that? don't you find, I mean, we're on the we're radio, we're on uh, a podcast. Okay. Uh, let me tell you, I think what we should do is have those ushers sit at the doors when people come back from uh, intermission and say, please, please, turn please remember to turn off your cell phone. Oh, they phones. do that in, in, uh, in Broadway York. houses. Well, yeah. let's do it. Maybe what we could do. 
I've thought about this. I, I want to do this with my casts anyway, because um, cell phones at rehearsal bother me too. It's oh, like, well, on will you please sets, stay focused? On sets, they have, um, you, you have to give 10 or 25 $20 if your phone rings. See, I think you set. should have, it's a fine like system, in, the, really. yeah. in the box office or on a wall somewhere where it's safe, you have like a shoe rack, you know, those cloth shoe racks. And everybody, when they walk in the door, they, they put their put phones their no, and then, you know, and you get a claim ticket. It's not going to happen. Oh, John. phone check. Yeah. Yeah, well, like a coat check. Well, you get a. You have to do a phone check. Well, that's one thought. Look, the the bottom line is, it, 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 if you can't bring, you can bring guns into some theaters. Yeah. So you're going to have a hard time separating people from their cell phones if they are not going to be separated from their firearms. Oh, that Ridiculous. shut everybody up. No, because I don't want to, I don't, I, I would get on a soapbox there, but that's. Yeah, no, uh, I, you know what? Uh, really? Uh, at the Alliance well, Theater I, in Atlanta, there's a huge sign on the door yeah. that says no firearms in the building. And yeah. I think, well, geez, what does somebody could do? Run back and put it in their glove compartment. I mean, people, it, it's a reality of what people feel entitled to. It's entitlement. Oh. So we've created, maybe it's just that we've created well, an entitled society. So how do we fix that? Well, I'll and go. One, one thing, <laughs> yeah. one thing <laughs> that audience members can do, because I do it, but then, you know, my daughter will tell you I do that anyway. Um, when I see somebody, if they, no matter if they're sitting next to me or in the next row or whatever, I will tell them to please turn that off. Right. And then here's the problem. Because what? people can carry guns into theaters these I mean, days, well, it's <laughs> it scares true. the crap out of oh, me. It's true. Oh, my Lord. You can't live your whole life being afraid that somebody's going to shoot you. No, you can't. No. But, but I think it's our duty. I really do to tell people if they're texting or taking videos or whatever, that that is illegal. And please turn off your cell phone. It's very distracting and annoying. Well, I mean, I, I it's, it's interesting too, because the first line of fire usually is a line of fire. Now we're on a whole gun <laughs> metaphor trail. Um, you know, oh, why well, I have um, I have kids and I have my babysitter and I think, you know what? Before cell phones, you sat in the theater and you went out at intermission and you called the babysitter at intermission. And there are yeah. some ex- circumstances where you have to maybe you're in an emergency situation. You have to have your cell phone on right. for to receive a text. Fine. Then get up and leave and go mm. outside and receive it. And yeah. so you're not disturbing the audience yeah. and the actors and the performance it's becoming an increasingly bad problem i think i really do well i mean so well, i mean should they, we be they, more forceful on stage they have solved it they have solved it in the movie theaters at least locally that so i maybe it's solvable but you have to have really big signs that look evil and that people will maybe we could ask to. the bristol police department to come over and stand next to us well, as we do our opening you, announcements when i was a kid and you went to the movies if you were disruptive the you went home. came down and you left. Oh, please. When we were children and if if we were disruptive, our parents took us well, out yeah. <laughs> it's okay. like and left. That's well, true. You know what? That's, That's like, all you have to do once or twice. If somebody's using their cell phone, ask them to come out in the lobby, please, until you're finished with the cell phone. It is uh, true that if you do have... Uh, an attentive usher force that actually is tasked with watching for yeah. texts and disrupt, you know, video, whatever it right. is, 
the audience does feel more taken care of right. if they see an usher coming down and standing at the end of the row and, you know, dealing with the situation. But how do you now. think as a performer it, or and even as an audience member, is that more disruptive? Well, than, it is less disruptive. But than more embarrassing, maybe. So maybe the person is embarrassed enough, you think? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't pretend to be in that person's head. I just mm-hmm. know that if... Uh, the audience is being policed and is and and the actors know that there's some recourse as opposed to it dragging on for the next two hours. That does make you feel better. And me as an audience member, if somebody's texting in front of me, I don't want to have to go don't text because that you you never know what you're going to get in that situation. But I but if an usher comes down and goes, sir, you have to put that away. Then I think it's interesting. It's It's, uh, like with our front of house, that's not part of our should be. Well, and I think the reason being is because we created our house management rules before text phones or before, before cell phones. So if it's, it's just time, time to revisit. Well, but I think I think what it is. People had is pagers just, at the time. Yeah. People had pagers and stuff. But I, I guess we just haven't rethought the fact that that needs to be part of our. It does. You know, and I, I think our house managers know it, and our house managers do go down. But uh, if you have a more attentive four, in our case, four ushers, two at the head of each aisle, maybe that's maybe it would be easier too. You know, do do to, we have a problem? I'm not, I have not seen it. Well, much it's here. not as I think that. Well, we live in the Midwest. It's still, you know, I think it takes longer for things to creep up, but I'm still going to say that, yeah, you have problems. We have problems with people videotaping all the time. Yeah. You know, and that's been as long as there have been small video cameras. But it's not illegal, is it? That's just out of... To videotape? No, it's illegal. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it's against copyright law. No, no, no. No, it's against copyright law. During a show, you can't... The cell phone isn't illegal. No, texting is not illegal, but videoing or taking photos because it's copyrighted material. Right, right. So... I don't know. It's a horrible problem. Speaking it's, of copyrighted material, yeah. Didi, you were just in a movie, oh right? Oh my lord! Did you see how he segued that? <gasps> it is David. fluid. I know and it was wonderful. So, <laughs> but and it was uh, with Ang Lee. Um, I did a a, a, a film <clears throat> last month called Billy Lynn's Long Halftime Walk, which is directed by Ang Lee, who. Uh, won the Oscar for The Life of Pi and also directed Brokeback Mountain and uh, Sense, Sense and Sensibility, Sensibility. and, and um, many other fantastic films. Right. And the interesting thing, well, I, I play uh, the title character's mother, which is uh, sad but true. I'm just kidding. Um, and Kristen Stewart uh, of Twilight fame is my daughter. And the interesting thing about the film is he, Ang, along with his uh, DP, a director of photography, have developed a camera um, that has never been used to shoot a film before. So Life of Pi was shot in 24 frames per second, and uh, which is incredible. 3d if you've seen the film you know the kind of detail that um that that uh, gives you this camera was developed by the military to uh to shoot video simulations for the for uh troops and for Mm -hmm. uh war uh games war exercises um and it shoots at 124 frames per second. Wow. So you literally have never, ever, ever seen any 
anything like it in terms of the detail. And they did spend two years developing it. The first month down in Atlanta where we were shooting was all camera testing. And, um, for the the differences um, in terms of uh, between that and shooting a regular film were incredible. The monitors in uh, the video village were 40 inch television screens and everybody wore 3D glasses. Um, there are only, I think, 16 theaters in the country that are currently equipped with the kind of projection because yeah, you have to project it at 124, it right? It was filmed. Um, I personally did not wear a stitch of makeup, oh, not a stitch. Wow. It's horrifying. <laughs> horrifying. You, no, it's, it is horrifying, but we were all in the same boat at least. But, um, I mean, usually in a film when you have a, you know, I'm using air quotes, radio people, podcast people, uh, when you have no makeup in a film, um, it's sort of, it's not as bad as Susan Lucci waking up in the hospital, no makeup, makeup. <laughs> but it, you know, you have, uh, some sort of makeup on, they literally had no makeup on us and would, would just be blotting sweat and, and, you know, oils from your, from your skin. They, um, you know, were shaving, uh, the peach fuzz hair off of your cheeks because everything leapt out so much. The bottom line is you, it will be, even when it's shown in, uh, regular theaters or IMAX that are not equipped for that particular kind of projection, it will be the most um, three-dimensional sort of uh, film experience that has ever been shot, been presented. So you have to, you have feature. to, it's still, you have to, to watch it. You still have to wear the 3d glasses of some, that kind. is correct. Um, okay. that is correct. So what's the story? Well, jeez, oh, it's based on a Ben Fountain novel called of the same name, Billy Lynn's long halftime walk. And it's a, a day in the life of, uh, troop Bravo, which has become famous in the United States because, um, uh, a television camera, a media journalist was following, Following them in Iraq, and um, the cameras were rolling during a specific um, incident. And Billy Lynn, my son, is, is caught on tape uh, doing uh, saving someone very heroically in the midst of lots of gunfire. And because the media picks up on this this video clip, um, the troop is celebrated and brought home and honored at a halftime show in their home state of Texas during a football game. Um, and it's literally the day in the life of Bravo Company, which is also not coincidentally being followed around by uh, a movie a movie uh, producer with a camera in the film to try to get Bravo's story then made. So it's a fil- kind of a f- film within a film story. Right. Um, and it's the story of, of uh, the family's division on their, uh, on their views on the war. Um, it's right. It's not right. Um, and what happens to that company within the space of a day as they are brought back to attend the funeral of one of the boys they lost during that incident. Right. Cool. So uh, in, in terms of the, the direction and the acting, was it a, a different experience that way? It was with completely him? different. I have to say we, mm-hmm. we rehearsed, uh, we rehearsed, which was, you know, a lovely change for, you don't often have that luxury um, with films, but we went down a month before and rehearsed for a week. Um, 
which was not only for camera angles, which were all really specifically laid out and the detail of the set. Well, you know, his de- his attention to detail is, I guess, legendary, but but in, especially prudent in this case because of the incredible definition of the fil- of the right. of the camera. And we were working with robotic cameras, which means um, for some of the shots, literally, we were being followed by robot cameras, which when you're acting with a camera, um, you know, you're generally acting with a person who's just behind the lens for Mm -hmm. your eye line. And if you don't have the luxury of that person with an eye line and you're playing two camera, which often happens, you always have a cameraman at least sitting and you know, somebody's watching you and right. that the lack of that presence was I, I even was disturbing for even Kristen Stewart, who's done quite a few more movies than I have. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, the experience of working with, uh, Ang Lee was, was absolutely, you know, for me, very thrilling. And, um, he's a kind, kind man and very trusting of his actors. English is not his first language. So, uh, it's amazing how he communicates, what he communicates, the way he communicates it and still gets, you know, exactly what he wants eventually. Um, it was really yeah. fascinating, and and um, I'm very. The film's not going to be out until 2016 because mm-hmm. there's an awful lot of post. A lot of a lot of the um, they they went over to shoot um, uh, in Morocco for the uh, Iraq uh, scenes, and all of that 3D technology in terms of the fighting is going to be, um, I imagine, quite awesome to see. So wow. I'm cool. looking forward to it. Good, good. So what's next for you? You're besides knee surgery. Wow. Next for me is knee surgery. Next. I've been turning down a lot of um work uh plays mostly um because I have to have a little uh issue with the walking that I have to get taken care of. Right, so right, right. um everything's sort of on hold for the rest of the year other than my play which I can work on toward the latter half of my recovery and um we'll see. Stay tuned. So, yeah, and you were in Girls not too long ago. It's been well, a little while yeah, now. Yeah, that a bit it keeps on keeps on airing, keeps, keeps on, on playing. Airing. Yay. That keeps it's, on airing. Apparently it's on airplanes you know, right it's now. It's really so funny. I, I keep seeing little, like, very, like, <laughs> references to The Wire, which has been over for what? Six years oh, now. He's going to a wire reunion. Now. Yeah, we but they but they've been taught. But just weekend, things like true. oh, you know, the best show ever on television was The Wire, and I mean, like, well, that's just, just, been it, true for every every year since it ended, really. Right. But it due to the popularity of the of DVDs and the fact that it's streaming now and people can mm-hmm. watch the series. Uh, it you know it's apparently one of the top binge watching shows. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, you don't have that sort of um, the lag time in terms of having to be involved with a story every single week right. for five years. People sit down and they watch it from beginning to end. But also, you know, there uh, you might have heard there have been a little bit of um, there's been some rioting activity in Baltimore. recently, yeah, well, because And, of, that, and yeah. because of that whole situation, the you know, I think that's brought the wire right to the forefront because that's yeah. exact that. All the race relations between the police department and the African-American community there are 
uh, and the drug war are sort of the and the educational system right. and the media, all of it. That's the heart of what the the story of the wire was. And so mm-hmm. uh, it, it it I mean they teach teach classes on the wire at at Harvard and at Yale. It, it's a sociology. Um, <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes, yeah. they do. Yeah. Um, and it's you know it's it's a it's a very sociological, sociologically relevant yeah. um, story still. And it, it unfortunately will com- continue to be sort of a, you know, a fulcrum for, for, well, fortunately it's a fulcrum for conversation, but yeah. um, that dialogue is well, cool hotter show. than ever. It's a cool show. Wow. It's on Netflix. Netflix? No. I think it's on Amazon. Well, it's on I HBO. Well, you can on HBO. You can watch it. It, on, it was on HBO. It's on HBO Go, but it's also streaming on Amazon. Oh, maybe. Uh, okay. Yeah. 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 I don't have Amazon. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, yes, your Amazon Prime membership—it's worth every penny. That's by the way, right. actually, it is. Um, so, really well, cool. And yes. Yes, it is. I should plunk out a hundred bucks so I can stream The Wire. I think I should do Ouch, that. Mom. You should, wow, yeah. again. Uh, okay, here we go. Again with the wire. There we go. Oh, I Someday. would. Yeah. I think it's on HBO Go. It is. Okay. okay. Well, thanks a lot, Dee Dee, for coming by. My pleasure. I like being an honorary geek. That's good. That's she just good. yelled at me because I didn't get her a giant coffee mug and I said there are no giant coffee mugs. There is a like a it's beer stein. A beer, Theater beer Geeks beer stein which well, would be go. a coffee mug. There's a beer stein so this, as long as we're talking about it it's at theatergeeks.com forward slash store but there's with the teddy bears there's hat the cups box. hats cups mugs t-shirts hats, teddy cups. bears um, I don't know if they still have the old hit flask for your favorite we should get Ang Lee one we oh, should get Ang Lee a theater geek. That's right. You know, Ang Lee did tell me an interesting story. Do we have one minute for me to yeah. tell it? All right. Um, it's a Ang Lee no and I limit. went to uh, NYU at the same time. So yeah. we were in the same building during the same years. And he said he 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 really wanted to be an actor. And that's what he was studying for right. because English was not his first language. It was a little bit difficult right. for him. And so he started making films, but he always wanted to be an actor. It's always been Whoa. his first love. Isn't, isn't that, that isn't that something? Well, Whoa. if Jackie because Chan became an actor, I think he probably, he probably could do it. Well, well, Jackie Chan is not an actor. He does martial arts on film. Okay, well, let's, let's, uh, well, I would say that's not what I would qualify. Well, I'm going to say, I mean, just, you know, in terms of the language difficulty, because oh, Jackie yeah. Chan had that's the same right. problem. So did, you are, you Ar- so did Arnold, point. as a matter of fact. I think Ang Lee probably made a really good choice, though, didn't he? I think, you know, I did feel yeah. like, what that's have true. I done with my life standing there? We went to the school at the same time, but I think he's done okay. Did you yeah. have lockers next door to each other? Yeah, wasn't right. He, was, he, was he crouch, <laughs> crouching, hidden, crouching yes, tiger, hidden dragon? Yeah. That's right. Oh, yeah. I love that. Movie. That was kind of the first biggie that he had. And yeah, it was the first time where I ever saw people walking on trees. I loved it. Yes, that's pretty amazing. I just loved it. So, thanks. Okay. For, oh, and 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 don't forget to to follow me on the Twitter. People. Follow you on the Twitter on the tweeter. Yeah. D uh, D Lovejoy. That's right. D at D, D, D Lovejoy, D and also Lovejoy. on Instagram. That's same right. thing. Right? D Lovejoy. Love is that D E D E? No. Just D D. D D D. It's shorter, easier to remember. No I way. like it. And now it winds no up. No one can spell D. it anyway. 
Anyhow, you can get us on Stitcher, Smart Radio. You can get us Family. on the Blueberry Network. Blueberry with no E's, just like Didi with no E's. You can go to uh, uh, the... Uh, that was very... iTunes. Was very you can get us on TuneIn Radio. Uh, I said Stitcher. iTunes. Everywhere where great podcasts are bought and sold uh, for no money at all. And you can listen to us for free. Um, Everything's at 7-Eleven. And I think that's all we've got to say here. So thanks again, Dee Dee. And I am Dave Dufour. I am John Schaup. Oh, and I'm Marcia Fulmer, mother of Dee Dee Lovejoy. And we all are theater geeks. Music for Theater Geeks was provided by MusicAlley.com. Theatre Geeks is a production of the Dufour Creative Network.